0: This is episode two of the Music Therapy Chronicles podcast with Rachel Rambach.
1: No, I'm turning off my phone. Or I'm leaving it in the hotel, and I'm not going to think about work. But to go away for a whole week—that's—that's that's much more difficult. <laughs>
0: It sounds to be, you're kind of like the impossible machine, like the machine that runs off its own emissions. (laughs) So like a car that would run off its own, you know, monoxide, you're just I'm producing this and that's good. And then I'm also running off that and you're just circular breathing. That's what comes to mind. Yeah. You know (laughs) what? That's a really
1: good way to describe it. And it's, it's odd. I know it sounds very strange. The fact that that kind of is what fuels me, the work that I'm producing is what fuels me to do more of it. Um, but I think that's a sign that, well, that maybe I am a little bit of a of a workaholic, but um, in a way that is not super stressful and that is not unhealthy.
0: You're listening to the Music Therapy Chronicles podcast about music therapy from a variety of perspectives. Our ambition is to inspire and connect listeners through meaningful conversations, just like a music therapy conference you can listen to anywhere. My name is Trisha Kayati, and I am a board-certified music therapist from the New England region. If you like what you hear, join our group on Facebook and share your own insights and thoughts about the episodes. You can also connect with us on social media and online at Music Therapy Chronicles. Thank you. Welcome to the Music Therapy Chronicles podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in today for this conversation with Rachel Rambeck, who is a powerhouse. She has so much passion and drive to do what she loves and to continue to produce content for music therapists to use, to work with her employees, to find different ways to create income as a music therapist. And talking with her, honestly, just really made me feel inspired to continue what I'm doing, to find passion in my work and to find inspiration, to continue to do the work from doing the work, if that makes sense. Uh, And I really enjoyed getting to know Rachel more. I get her emails and her newsletter and I go to her website all the time and watch her YouTube videos for inspiration. And she really is just um, kind and motivated and really just wants to make a difference and help people in the all the different ways that she has learned how over the years. So I hope you enjoy this interview as much as I did. If you do, Please tell us about it in our Facebook group and leave us a review on iTunes. I'd love to be able to read some of the reviews on the other end of these episodes. Let's get into the episode. All right, Rachel, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to talk with you. I'm excited to have you here. Thank you for making the time. I really appreciate that. So we'll get into all the music therapy things, obviously, but what are some other things that you do in your time, some other projects you have?
1: Ooh, well, work-related projects or outside of work? Anything. Okay. I'm one of those people who... The work that I do is so much fun that it's kind of what I do for fun as well as work. I love writing songs. I love singing and performing. So a lot of what I do outside of my work work is writing songs not just for my practice and for other music therapists but songs that I perform and play and then I do quite a bit of gigging. Um, So that's kind of what keeps me busy, what keeps me recharged and what keeps me actively musical?
0: Yeah, actively musical. That's a great, a great way to put it.
1: Yeah. yeah, it's it's tough because what I've found as a business owner over time is that the bigger my business grows and the more I have related to that as far as responsibilities go, the less music I'm actually making. So it's really important to me to make that an essential part of my life and to really take the time to do that and to make it meaningful because otherwise you know I'm spending a couple hours here and there writing a song and then doing a few sessions a week but you know compared to what I used to do which was I had a full caseload and was making music all day every day it's just so different now.
0: Yeah I listened to probably one of your older older episodes about um, it was your, titled your unpopular opinion. Oh, I should backtrack. You have a podcast. That's what I'm talking I about. I listened to the episode, something about your, um, your unpopular opinion or something like that. And you talked about um, really feeling burnt out doing sessions all day, every day, and how going home and writing the interventions and the songs is what f- really filled you up to go out and do it again the next day.
1: Yeah, that's absolutely the truth. I would look forward to that when I was doing these back-to-back-to-back sessions, and I really just loved going home and just having that alone time. I'm a big introvert, so having that alone time to really just put on my creative hat and just create and do things that were still within my wheelhouse as a music music therapist, but to n- not have not have all of the extra input that you have in the middle of a session.
0: Yeah. And correct me if I'm wrong, but that's the bulk of what you're doing now, right? You're more producing these songs. Right.
1: It is. Yeah. That's that's the majority of what I'm doing at this point. And I really kind of did that by design. Um, like I said, up until a few years ago, I was working with a full caseload. I was leading multiple classes every week. I was basically working Seven days a week, Um, especially once I started a family and now I have two kids. But even through having my second child, I was kind of rearranging my schedule so that my nights weren't as late as they had been. And so I was seeing some of those clients on Saturdays and Sundays, as well as teaching classes on Sunday afternoons. So it was really overwhelming, a really crazy schedule. And so over time, I kind of stepped back and let go of some of those private clients so that I was able to really focus on the work that recharges me as a person and as a music therapist and as a musician. And that's that's the resource creation. I love writing songs. I love recording them. I love sharing with other music therapists. It's so fulfilling now that I don't get to see the effects of my resources with so many clients, but I get to hear about how they're affecting these clients all over the country and all over the world via other music therapists. And that is such an amazing feeling. So yeah, that's, that's kind of what I'm, what I'm really enjoying right now. And, you know, who's to say maybe down the road, I'll return to seeing clients upon clients upon clients like I used to, but right now that's, that's kind of the sweet spot for me.
0: Yeah. And speaking as one of the people who gets your emails and looks at your website and whenever I'm planning, especially my group sessions, and I am just having a creative block, your website is the first one I go to to get some inspiration and some ideas for what I can do. That's awesome. I love to hear that. And,
1: you know, I've been there. I've been there so many times. And that was what really fueled me to start creating these songs and to start putting them out there. Um, I was doing that just a few years into being a music therapist and it was scary at first because you know i had these thoughts like who am i you know this brand new music therapist to share my work with other people who have been doing it for years but what i found was that i think everybody has a voice everybody has a perspective and has something to bring to the table and i was hearing from music therapists had been practicing for 10 20 25 years Saying, oh, these are so fresh and so um, useful in my practice. Thank you so much for sharing these, and um, so that's kind of what keeps me going—is just knowing that um, that I'm helping contribute to the pot because not everybody loves that part of coming up with interventions and coming up with resources and songs, and that's what I really love. So, so yeah, I'm I'm definitely gonna keep doing that.
0: Yeah, I, you're doing a great job. I don't know if you listen to. Uh, another music therapy podcast was recently launched called The Music Therapy Hour. And oh, I don't know that one. Yeah, it, I think they're on episode two or three, so very okay. new. And the last episode I listened to um, – at the end it was what resource can you recommend and the the guest recommended you and your website oh, no kidding. and i was thinking wow i have an interview with her this is super exciting so um yeah oh, it's, cool. it's all over the place I'll which have i'm to sure. i go you back know. and listen yeah yeah <laughs> all righty let's let's circle back how did you get into music therapy what sparked that i actually went
1: into my undergrad having never heard of music therapy before didn't know it was a thing I was a vocal performance major planning to perform. I was studying opera and classical music, and really my my dream was to work at Disney and to be a Disney performer, and I actually went to school down in Winter Park, Florida, which is 20 minutes away from Orlando, so... I, I kind of always had that in the back of my head that okay yeah I'm gonna I'm gonna become a classically trained singer but then who knows maybe I'll do musical theater maybe I'll do opera maybe I'll do Disney um, I was just kind of keeping the options open but as time went on I started to realize that there was something missing when I was focusing primarily on performance and that was the helping aspect I kind of realized that as a performer, you know, you're bringing people joy, you're bringing people entertainment, but where is, where's the rest of it? Where's the, the other connection? And that was the point at which I came across music therapy. I was in a, a class about, um, different careers in music. And this was the best thing that ever happened to me because in that class we were assigned to write a paper about a different profession under the in the field of music. And so a simple Google search brought this up and I thought, music therapy, okay, I need to look into this. And that's what I ended up writing my paper on. And it was then that I realized, okay, this is the combination of music and helping people. Like what could be more perfect? And I got so excited about this. I went to the head of my music department and I said, okay, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to become a music therapist. And he said, that sounds like a great fit. But before you, you know, zoom into this other realm, I want you to get a little bit more experience with it. And he actually knew a music therapist in Orlando that was practicing and she had a private practice. And so he set me up with her and I did some shadowing And this was in my sophomore year of college. And so that shadowing really just sealed the deal for me. And I ended up going to my advisor then and I proposed, what do you think about the idea of graduating early with my undergrad in vocal performance and then going on to do my master's in music therapy? And so we kind of looked over my record and my credits that I had um, gotten so far and between the credits that I'd received in high school from taking AP classes and some college courses, um, combined with what I had taken that first year and a half, you know, as a music major that we take a million credits every yeah. semester. Yeah. So he's looking at, at my, um, credits and he's like, I think you could graduate after the first semester of your junior year.
0: Wow. And
1: that, I mean, the thought of it was terrifying thinking, oh my gosh, I have like two more semesters and then I'm gonna leave all my friends and go to grad school, really? But at the same time, I was so excited about pursuing music therapy that I went for it. I worked with him to kind of figure out what classes were still missing, what I needed to do in those last two semesters. And yeah, I did it. It was a little nuts and my schedule was insane. All of my friends thought I was crazy. They're like, why would you wanna leave college to like, go into the adult world. But they just didn't understand that I had found the exact profession that was, I felt like, meant for me. So um, so yeah, I did that. I came home um, the after the first semester of my junior year. I worked and saved some money and lived at home with my parents. And then after that, I went to grad school. And um, yeah, the rest is history.
0: Wow. So did you, after grad school, did you Start a private practice then, or did you find the more traditional nine to five setting? How did that? Yeah
1: so private practice was always my like end game. That was always my goal. But obviously, I never had any business experience. I didn't take one business class all throughout college, all throughout grad school. Um I just thought, you know i'll I'll have a regular job for a while and then then I'll enter into that world but my internship was with a private practice and it was great training because it was a private practice that had contracts within schools. So I was getting the private practice background, but I was also getting that school setting experience. So um, halfway through my internship, I was offered a full-time job in my hometown, which is where my boyfriend, now husband, um, lived and he was working here. So I thought this is perfect. This is where I'll get my start. I'll kind of get my feet wet, get some experience, and then I'll start this private practice. And so I started the job. It was the first full-time music therapy position in the city. So I really had no clue what I was doing. I was kind of just like making things up as I went. Um, At that time, this was 2007. So it wasn't like there were all of these groups that I could come to on Facebook or lots and lots of social media at that time. So I was kind of just learning as I went. I was emailing my internship supervisors for advice and um, just kind of making it happen. And so uh, it was maybe a week into that job when I started getting phone calls asking for um, private practice services. Wow. That's how quickly the word spread that there was a music therapist in town, which was being the only music therapist here was a blessing and also a curse. It was really lonely at first, like I said, not having people that I could come to and kind of powwow with and ask for advice or have, you know, just like some supervision with as such a brand new professional. But at the same time, there was nobody else for these people to call for private practice services. So I said sure. Yeah, let's go for it. You know, I'm young, I have time, I'm hungry. I want to I want to do as much as I can. And so I was working the let's see 7:30 to 3:30 job at the school full time, Monday through Friday. And then also Monday through Friday I was leaving school and driving from client to client to client. And it started out very small where, you know, maybe 2 or 3 days a week I had Handful of clients on each of those afternoons. But after about a year, it was fully booked. I was working all day and then driving from house to house Monday through Friday. So I was basically working these 12-hour days, and it was insane and exhausting. But I was so I was I was loving everything that I was doing. It was so fulfilling. So at that point, I ended up, my husband and I bought a new house and that house allowed me to have a private practice inside of my home, which was nice because then my clients could come to me and I wasn't spending all of this extra time driving. So instead of seeing maybe four or five clients per night, I was able to see like seven or eight or nine. And it, yeah, it sounds crazy now and it, I can't believe looking back that I, that I had such a rigorous schedule, but like I said, I was right out of grad school and internship. So, um, it was fun and it was exciting. It was cool to see the business growing without a lot of work on my end. People always ask me, like, how did you get your private practice up and running? How did you market it? What were the, what were the marketing tools that you used? And I was like, um, word of mouth. And that's what I still say today. We don't do a lot of marketing even now. Um, and my practice looks a lot different now than it did back then, but it's always been word of mouth. People that come to me for private practice services, they have really strong networks and the community is very close knit here in Springfield, especially amongst special needs families and word travels really fast. So you kind of have a reputation before you even have a chance to kind of establish it yourself. Um, But yeah, that's kind of how it evolved. So I was starting my full-time job and entering into private practice at the same time. And so I felt like I got kind of the best of both worlds as I went through the years.
0: Yeah, and you're still growing. You, I don't know if you're still hiring, but you had a job listing recently out. I don't know if that's still active, but we actually,
1: we actually just offered the job, the job on Thursday afternoon. Congratulations. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. She accepted almost immediately. And so she'll be starting with us in June, which is thrilling. It's, it is so exciting to see the way that music therapy has grown in Springfield. And I talk about this all the time on my podcast and, I will never stop talking about it just because I've been here since the beginning of it. And I've been able to see the evolution of people looking at me like I had four heads and saying, what music therapy, what's that to now I say, oh, I have a a private practice in a studio called music therapy connections. And people like, oh yeah, I know music therapy connections, such and such, and this family and these other people go there. Um, And so to see that evolution has been just amazing.
0: Yeah, that's that's really great. What advice would you give for someone who might be in a similar situation where, you know, all of this is happening and coming and they're not really they're not really guiding the evolution of whatever's <laughs> going on, but it just it just keeps growing and growing. What would you tell them? I would tell them to
1: take it one step at a time, handle one thing at a time because when you look at the big picture, that's when it can start to feel really scary and really overwhelming and really out of your control because there things are, like you said, just constantly happening. And even now having been at this for 12 years, I still get that feeling when I, when I step back a little bit and I think about everything that there is to do and all of the different ways that the practice is growing, but to just handle one thing at a time and break it all down and, just do as much as you can in that moment and not let the rest of it just fall on top of you like an avalanche. I'd say that's the only way because otherwise you can shy away from that growth. And, and there was a period of time where I was doing that when I was in the thick of having babies and, and having really, really small children. And I mean, they're not old now, they're only three and five, so they're still pretty small, but, um, But yeah, as life gets more complicated, it gets harder and harder to run a growing business. But taking it one step at a time is is my biggest piece of advice.
0: Yeah. So what self-care do you do in those overwhelming moments? Obviously, writing and producing these songs and the um, the resources is a big part of it. So is that like most of your self-care or are there other things you do to try and kind of separate it?
1: Yeah, that's a big part of it for me. Um, Like I said, I am an introvert. In fact, I have a whole continuing ed course for music therapists. It's called um, The Introvert's Guide to Thriving in an Extroverted Career. And I talk a lot about my self-care and how I kind of come down from those really extroverted days where I'm where I'm with clients or I'm with families or I'm at meetings or networking because that can get really overwhelming as a business owner because those are those are the bulk of of what I do now. I'm not seeing clients back to back to back every day like I used to but I'm having meetings and I'm going out to visit facilities and I'm um, getting in touch with all of our contacts at our different contracts and checking in with all of my employees and having meetings with my business partner. And so it is still a lot of extroverting. So on the days where I can kind of just hold myself up in my home office and write or blog, that's something that I also love to do. Um, I love to just create that's, that's really what, um, what, how I find restoration. Um, aside from that, aside from the work related things, I also love to bike. So I, um, especially when the weather gets warmer, I usually try to get out on my bike at least three or four times a week. And so that's super important to me. Um, aside from that, spending time with my family, being with my kids and, especially now that they're at school. My daughter's in preschool. My son's in kindergarten. So I don't see them as much as I used to. We used to be together a whole lot more than that. Um, So when they get home, that's my priority is being with them. Right now, my daughter's home with me on Fridays. So I don't work on Fridays. I'm with her and we try to get out and do playdates or um, connect with other moms that have kids her age so that I'm kind of getting some social time while she does as well and then spending time with friends. And then for my husband and I, we love to travel. So we are always on one trip or another, I think from, let's see, February, this past February to July, we have a trip planned every single month. Wow. And <laughs> yeah, which is crazy. And it's exhausting, especially on the ones that the kids are with us, yeah. because those are those are much more so trips than vacations. Um But that's, that's something that helps me keep going in times where business is a little bit more overwhelming and is requiring more time of me, knowing that I have that downtime coming up and that I can just relax with my family that that really helps too.
0: Yeah. So since everything is so intertwined, how do you like turn off (laughs) that part of your brain? You know, how do you know, like, I'm on this trip and I run this business and making music is part of self-care, but I'm on this trip and I need to, or not need to, I want to turn this off or do you not turn it off, you know?
1: <laughs> oh, Trisha, I wish I could tell you that yes, <laughs> I turn it off. But I, <clears throat> excuse me, I, it's impossible. It is impossible to turn it off. Um, I have a lot of support in my business. I have colleagues and employees that take care of a lot of the things that I do on a daily basis while I'm gone. But I'm still checking email. I'm still putting out fires. I'm still helping customers that need to get their downloads or need to find something in particular through my membership. It's it's nonstop. And honestly, I it's kind of a guilty pleasure for me. I mean, it's <laughs> I just enjoy it. And I enjoy that I'm helping people that way, even when I am on vacation, but because we do travel so much, it's not like, Oh, my one vacation of the year is ruined because I spent half a day taking care of this issue. Um, my husband is also a business owner and his business is also rapidly growing the way that mine is right now. So we're both in that same boat where we like, for example, We went to Aruba for our 10-year anniversary last summer. And we were there for a week. Thank you. We were there for a week. It was amazing. We were literally in paradise. And most of it was spent like on the beach or next to the pool or going out to dinner or doing something fantastic. But at the same time, we were taking turns sneaking back up to the hotel room for an hour at a time so that we could clear out our email inbox or, you know, chat with a coworker, whatever needed to be done. And because I love my businesses so much and same with him, that doesn't feel like work to me. It doesn't feel necessarily like an interruption. Of course, there are times when issues are not fun to deal with. That always comes up, but it's part of the gig and it's part of being a business owner. And I'm used to it at this point. So, um, so, yeah, I mean, i I think I tune it out and I turn it off in small doses, where if I know I'll be at the beach for the next four hours, then no. I'm turning off my phone or I'm leaving it in the hotel, and I'm not going to think about work.
0: But to go away for a whole week, that's that's
1: much more difficult.
0: It sounds to be you're kind of like the impossible machine, like the machine that runs off its own emissions. <laughs> <laughs> so like a car that would run off its own, you know, monoxide. Right. You're just, you know, right, I'm producing right. this and that's good. And then I'm also running off that and you're just circular breathing. That's what comes to mind. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know what?
1: That's a really good way to describe it. And it's it's odd. I know it sounds very strange, the fact that that kind of is what fuels me. The work that I'm producing is what fuels me to do more of it. Um, but I think that's a sign that, well – that maybe I am a little bit of a of a workaholic, but um, in a way that is not super stressful and that is not unhealthy. Um, I have been in a place where the amount of work that I'm doing is unhealthy. And thankfully that's years past and I learned what my limits were and what my boundaries were because I did not know those early in my career. Um, there was a point right after I resigned from my full-time job and decided to go into private practice full-time and at this point it was just me. So I didn't have any colleagues, I didn't have my business partner, I didn't have anybody working for me. It was me doing all of the business stuff and all of the actual practice. Um so in order to ensure that I was making the same income that I had been making with the full-time job, I ended up taking on 60 clients at one time. Holy cow. <laughs> so this was on a weekly basis, Ooh. Monday through basically Sunday. Wow. I was I was working with 60 individuals and that was a very low point because there was no self-care happening. There was no downtime. There were no breaks. Luckily, this was before I had children and so it wasn't detrimental super detrimental to my family. Um I didn't see my husband a whole lot at that point, but it didn't last long. It lasted a few months and then I realized, okay, this is unhealthy. This is not okay. This is not sustainable. And I'm glad that I went through that because now I have that story to tell other music therapists. I've told my employees and other people that I've talked to that are in private practice and kind of given them that warning that you need to find that spot that feels good to you. Where you're not spending every waking hour, if not seeing clients, then planning for clients or creating visuals for clients. And that's that's what my world revolved around at that point in time. So so I've learned a lot from that experience. And I think that's really informed the direction that that my work has gone in since then. Right. Thank you
0: for sharing that. Um, yeah. so now now that you have some contract subcontractors, um, what would, what advice would you give them? You know, what would you, what would you say as the business owner, like advice for for someone in that setting? As far as their practice goes? Sure. Or as far as from your end of it, what's something that a contractor could do to make things easier for you or what's something you wish they would do or something that, you kept in mind when you were doing it all by yourself and that's something you yeah. keep in mind doing it for someone well, else.
1: Something that's really important to to me and my business partner, Katie, as business owners, is that we are providing that support. And all of our music therapists are employees because we feel like that way we can provide them with the right amount of supervision that they need and that guidance because as as contractors, there's a line that you don't, you can't cross as, as a, um, supervisor to contractors. So with our employees, we have weekly supervision where we, we don't just talk about what's happening at work or what's happening in their sessions. We talk about our lives holistically. So what are your goals? What are you working towards? What is happening? Yeah. And, and that's something that I didn't have at that time. And that's where I think the disconnect was happening where I was just kind of, Experiencing this tunnel vision where all I saw was these are my responsibilities. This is my work. This is my business. Grow, grow, grow. Do what you have to do. Don't put yourself first. Now I come first. My family comes first. My self care, my sanity, all of that comes before seeing clients and taking on more clients and growing my business. And Honestly, that's the way it has to be if you want to live a healthy, balanced life. And I put balance in quotations because nothing's ever truly balanced. You know, life moves in waves and there are times when your business is just overtaking things and then there are times where you are just kind of chilling with business and you're letting things flow And your focus is on your kids or your family, or it's on taking a vacation. And maybe you're doing some of those things when you have a chance, but that's not your focus. Um, But having those things to look forward to, having those goals that are outside of just clinical work or just business and keeping an eye on them so that you don't lose sight of what comes outside of, of work. And that's, that's something that I can share as somebody that's been through that experience of losing sight of all of that. And so that's a really important part of what I share with all music therapists now.
0: Yeah, I think we're often so caught up with writing goals for our clients and (laughs) focusing on those that sometimes Uh I, I know for myself, I try to have goals. Producing this podcast is a goal for me. And sometimes it's, Tiring. So I'm like, I'm, you know, I'm making all these goals for everybody else. I don't want to think about what I need to work on, but it, it really does when you check in with yourself weekly and have those things to aspire to. Yeah. Yeah. That that's it's important.
1: It's true. One of the things that I've been doing over the last few years is rather than focus on specific goals, which of course, like I have goals, but I have a word for each year. So I'm kind of letting that word dictate what my year looks like and what my life looks like and what projects I'm taking on and what my focus is. So this year, my my word is create. And so I've really been focusing on the create part of my work and my life. And it's been really fun to see how that's kind of manifested in different ways. It's not just creating resources and songs for my clients and for other music therapists, but I'm writing a book. I'm working awesome. on, yeah, I'm working on creating more meal options for my family because that's always been a tough sticking point for me. Um, so it means so many different things. Um, last year, my word was joy. So I was focusing on just finding different joyful ways to live my life and and not um, being so boxed in by work family, you know, having these categories, but really just going after the joy, no matter where it was. So, so that's, I think a little bit more fun and a little bit more freeing because when you set these really stringent goals, then you feel like you have this, this, um, kind of like narrow line that you're following and that can be overwhelming, especially when you have things in your life that are taking up a lot of your time or that are kind of your focus. So, so being able to kind of change things as you go and not feel married to these specific goals is really freeing.
0: Yeah. I also pick a, a word for the year and try and stick oh, nice. with that. Yeah. Do you What's do, your word for this year? Oh, My word for this year is um, about like, financial abundance honestly okay (laughs) like that's oh well then you'll be you'll be interested in my book that I'm working on (laughs) awesome I'm looking forward to that yeah I've read like uh Dave Ramsey's the total money makeover Uh and the financial diet and you know all those kinds of things so yeah yeah yeah. Very uh, cool. Awesome. I'm looking forward to your book then. I'll keep my yeah. eyes out for that one. Awesome. Yeah.
1: So it's, it's called Innovative Income for Music Therapists. And it's all about the different ways that you can make money as a music therapist because so many people don't realize all the different options out there. And that's one thing that I think I've been really uh, skilled at. Mm -hmm. Over the years, obviously, you know, clinical work has been the main bulk of my income. But um, starting Listen and Learn and having all of these different paths and having all of these different avenues of bringing in revenue has been really exciting. And it's kind of become like this fun challenge to figure out, okay, how else can I find a new stream doing things that I'm passionate about, doing things that I love and that I'm good at and that are within this this wheelhouse of music therapy, because over the last 12 years that I've been in this field, it has changed immensely. When I entered, I thought, okay, I'm just going to, I'm going to see clients. That's how I'm going to make my money. There aren't any other options, the end, but now it's a different world and it's so exciting.
0: Yeah. And the digital age just really opens that up, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah I, there I love that title too. Oh, thank you. Um I saw on your website you have Elizabeth Gilbert's Big Magic. Yeah. Uh-huh. Such a good book. If anyone's oh, listening and hasn't read that book or listened to it on Audible or something, check that I've book out. I've listened to
1: it on Audible I think 4
0: times now. Wow. Good yeah. for you. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one for sure. Mm-hmm. Very Alrighty. inspiring. Yeah. I'm I'm really excited for your book now cuz I and you just seem to have that that Uh, all the different ways to pull in income that are all music therapy related and that's that's really awesome thank you um all righty so when you're sitting down and you're your word is creative um I guess maybe not even sitting down what's your process do you go out for a walk and wait for things to come to you do you block out time to work on a project how do you fuel your creativity
1: yeah So I'm a very systematic person. In fact, I just created a teaching episode for Imagine, the early childhood music therapy magazine. Um, I created a, a video teaching episode about my songwriting process. And as I describe in the video, I have a very systematic process for this where it's like I do this and this and this. Um... I would love to say that like, oh, you know, I go where the wind carries me and I go for like a walk and then I let inspiration hit me and then I act on it in the moment. But because my schedule is so busy and because it's kind of boxed in by, okay, the kids go to school at this time and I have to pick them up at this time, my days are very, very scheduled. So I have my days that are very Um, studio heavy, where I'm in the studio, either working with kids or having meetings. And then I have the days where I'm home. And those are really my create days. So usually Mondays, sometimes Wednesday afternoons and Thursdays, those are my really heavy creation days where I know that in the morning, as soon as my kids leave, I, (laughs) I make sure that my house is tidy, because working from home, if I have a messy space, that just will frazzle me for the entire day and I won't be able to really dive into my work. So as soon as they leave, I kind of clean up the messes that happen the minute they get out of bed and then I get to my desk and I always either the night before or a Sunday going into a new week, I plan out every task that needs to happen, um, whether it's an appointment or a meeting or creative work. So a blog post that I'm writing or a song that I'm writing or recording that I'm doing. And, um, so I already know what's going to be happening during that time and I just kind of go for it. I step by step, you know, I'm sitting here at my computer, I've got my coffee and I just go in order of what needs to be done. And I just kind of get into this zone. I have an app that I love to use. It's called Coffitivity, And basically it's, um, It's a coffee house sounds like it sounds like you're in a coffee house, but it's just this audio playing. It's either on your desktop or you can download it to your iPhone. But I find that really helpful because then it's not just dead silence that I'm working with. So if I'm writing lyrics or if I'm writing a blog post, then I'll do that. As far as recording goes, I batch that. So I usually do like five or six songs in a two-day sitting. So I've got my lead sheets written out. I've got my rough drafts recorded that I use kind of as a reference when I'm creating my actual recordings and I will just sit. I've got my computer with me. I've got my guitar next to me and um I just go. And <laughs> and that's something that I've learned, you know, when you have only a few hours to get that work done, you'll get it done because there aren't once the kids are home, forget it. None of that creative work is going to happen. So, so yeah, it's, it's very systematic. It's um, a lot of the inspiration just comes to me throughout the week, whether it's um, trying to figure out what songs I need to write, what people have asked, like suggestions of songs that people have asked me to write or specific needs of my clients and students or other coworkers in the office. So I kind of know the plan and I, I write everything down. Because as you get older and have kids, your memory just doesn't work as well as it used to. Um, I use Trello to organize everything. So when I was mentioning that I write everything out on Sundays or the night before, I have a Trello board that's divided into days. So each day has a column. And then each card is a different task or um, appointment that I have. So everything is written out. When I think of something, I immediately write it down so that I don't forget it. And, um, the same goes with inspiration, like for a song, or if I come up with some lyrics, I'll just, um, put them into a Trello card. So it's up there already when I go to actually act on it, or I'll record a voice memo with a little song idea or something like that. So I rely a lot on technology to help me with my creative process.
0: Yeah. Well, we have it. So why not use it? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Why not make the most of it? That does sound like an awesome process. I've heard before, um, more in the terms of like college papers, where if you say, oh, I have until Wednesday to write this, like your brain will take up the whole time. Where if you say, I have two hours to write this, somehow you will do it in that two hours. So yeah. Yeah. I think there's a law or something related or about that,
1: Mm -hmm. but I, I can't remember what it's called at the moment. But yeah, it's so true.
0: Yeah, definitely. All righty. Are you ready to move into some rapid fire questions? Yeah, I'm excited. All right. Your your answers don't have to be quick, but the questions are. Gotcha. So the first one we will warm up with coffee or tea? Oh, coffee. 100%. I start <laughs> my day with coffee
1: every single morning.
0: Good. All righty. Yes. Early bird or night owl?
1: Ooh, definitely early bird. Um, There was a time in my life where I was an early bird and a night owl because- just having kids necessitated that. But now I love to get up really early and try to get a lot of stuff done before even my kids wake up. And, um, because at night really my brain's just so done that after the kids are in bed, my husband and I just love to eat dinner on our own and then watch whatever show we're watching on Netflix or Hulu or whatever, and just kind of chill. So definitely early bird
0: yeah I relate to that getting it all yes. done so that you can relax later Oh yeah day. it's great totally what is your music therapy elevator pitch oh goodness okay
1: we talk about this all the time and we have our employees kind of craft theirs as well so that they're that they're armed and ready because literally everywhere you go it's wow oh, music therapy what's that
0: or, or um, I could use music therapy
1: yeah. Can you just come like sing and play to me? Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. I basically just explain that music therapy is a way of helping people achieve goals that are not related to music through the use of musical instruments, singing, playing, improvising. And you can work on a lot of the same things that children – because I do work mainly with children – that children learn in school or in speech therapy or in OT. So all kinds of different goals, motor goals, speech goals, communication, you can achieve those goals through music. I like to keep it simple.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Too many words in people's eyes start to cross. Exactly. And our (laughs) scope of practice is so big that it it could be easy to just, you know, give them a five page or 500 page novel about what we do. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And my, my explanation has gotten shorter as the years go on because I have realized that, that I used to feel like I had to build it up and defend it and give more and more and more information. But now I'm, I'm just very calm and succinct. And I explain it without using lots of clinical terms because that turns people off as well. Mm -hmm. And I just keep it simple. And I find that that's the most effective way to approach it.
0: Yeah. And then in some ways, it could also pique their interest to go look oh, into exactly. it more. For sure. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of good
1: to leave them hanging and then say, oh, you know, if you want to learn more, here's my website or here's, you know, the National American Music Therapy Association. And yeah. Yeah. So.
0: And it's great good that point. you have your own website, you can say. Like, yeah. Yes. I have all, all these resources. Yeah, <laughs> right. Right. Totally. All right. We kind of covered this, but what is your favorite self-care practice? Ooh. Okay.
1: So, aside from work, because we'll we'll leave that one out. We've kind of <laughs> exhausted that one. Um, like I said, I love to watch shows on Netflix. My guilty pleasure is the office. I think I've watched that series <laughs> like a hundred times all the way through. Um self I like to ride my bike, like I said. um. And then spending time with girlfriends, I go on a girls trip with my high school, um, four best friends every year. In fact, we're right in the middle of planning one right now for October. That's awesome. But um, yeah, it's just so nice because we all live all over the country and we all have kids and we just don't get to connect as much as we used to back when, you know, everybody came home all the time. Um, so, yeah, just having that to look forward to and then having those few days where I can just, like, be me with my girlfriends that I've been best friends with for 20 years. It's it's really meaningful.
0: That's beautiful. That's – um. <clears throat> excuse me. Side note. My mom, actually, I'm planning a girls' trip with some of my friends. And my mom, who is retired and older and living it up, she says, yeah, my girlfriends and I, we didn't do that until we were in our 60s. So it's good <gasps> that you're starting now. Oh, gosh. That's <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Uh, so. It is –
1: And I wish that we had started earlier. I think we took our first trip, let's see, when we were, my daughter wasn't even one. So I think I was like 32. Um, And I wish that we had started earlier because it's just something that I look so forward to. And it's just like a time when you can just be yourself and not have that business hat on and not have your mom hat on and just hang out and have a blast with your girlfriends.
0: Yeah, good for you. Alrighty. Something that is currently adding value to your life.
1: Ooh, adding value. Okay. So this one is work related. One of the big things that I was excited about when I started my business was thinking about way down the road, eventually when I had employees and when, when I did have coworkers that, that my business would be, would be supporting other people and helping them support their families in turn. And so that has been a huge blessing to be able to do that and to be able to offer jobs to other people where before this business, there was no music therapy and there were no job opportunities. Um, But like I said, we have a brand new music therapist coming on with us this summer. And then we also have an intern that's starting with us at the end of May. So for me, getting to provide those experiences to other music therapists and other interns and to know that that's where they're starting the real like meat of this journey is bringing me life. Like it's just so exciting and I'm I'm so pumped about it. And so that's really what's driving me as far as the business goes right now and, and life really in general.
0: That's beautiful. That's really Thank beautiful. Thank you. All right. This might be hard because you have so many resources out there, but what right now is your favorite intervention?
1: Oh my gosh. I saw this on your on your question list
0: and I thought, <laughs> oh my gosh. I, I, I thought either. you might have no. trouble with it. I'll, I mean, I'll <laughs> stall so you can think for out for a sec, but when you sent out the email about this must have been a while ago now, but oh it's supposed to snow and here's the white snow falls on the ground. And I uh-huh. that was what I needed in that moment. And that was it's one of my favorites, but I can't really use it anymore now because it's almost I know. May. I, I'm not,
1: you know what? I have so many winter songs that I'm I love doing and I was so sad when I had to stop because it's no longer winter. But um I think I right now there's a caterpillar song that I have and it um, uses some different movements and there's a whole kind of progression to it. And I love that one because it gets, um, my students and clients moving and relating the movements to the lyrics in the song. And then we speed it up the second time through and they get to see the process in reverse of the caterpillar becoming a butterfly. And, um, yeah, so I'd say that's my favorite one. It's called, um, caterpillar walks around and you can find it on my website, which is listenlearnmusic.com.
0: Yeah. That's actually that's the next one. So where can people find you? I know you have tons of places. You have <laughs> podcasts, you you got social media, you got the website, you um, yeah, YouTube. Are, like yeah, name <laughs> it all.
1: <laughs> There's a, there are a lot of places. Um I love Instagram. I have my my personal one. It's just at Rachel Rambach. I also have my um listen learn one. It's at listen learn music and then the podcast is actually so I've I have actually done three different podcasts. Um, the first podcast that I did started in 2010, and it was called the Music Therapy Roundtable, and I did that one with um, Kimberly. Senna Moore, Michelle Erfurt, and Matt Logan, who are all amazing music therapists, and um, we're still good friends to this day, but it's really hard to coordinate four schedules, just For so sure. you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so we don't do that one anymore, but um, that kind of gave me the podcasting bug where I was like, oh yeah, I like this. I like this um, medium. And so I have another podcast called the Guitars and Granola Bars podcast, and that one is focused on music therapists who are also mothers. So um, I interview a lot of music therapists who are moms. We talk a lot about a lot of different topics related to kind of both sides. Um, so that's another one. And then the one that I'm currently really actively producing is called the Creative Business Breakdown. And that's the one that I record with my business partner, Katie Camrad. So you can find that at creativebusinessbreakdown.com. We also have an Instagram. Um, and then my YouTube channel is just youtube.com slash Rachel Ramback. And then my website where all of the resources, all of the materials are, is listenlearnmusic.com.
0: Great. Yeah. And tons, tons of wonderful stuff on there. I meant to mention this earlier, but like you said, you have the lead sheets and the recorded music and the intervention ideas for all your stuff that you send out too, which is it's I do. great. You get a full, a full idea of what you and, have and produced.
1: Really that's that was my my big goal was for it to be a place where somebody could come And find a song that that fits the the goal that they're trying to achieve with a client or a group or a class. And then really have all of the materials that they would need to learn that song and then implement it right there. So the lead sheet with the lyrics and the chords, I even have an instrumental track so that if they wanted to record a version for their client, they could do that easily. Um, There's the MP3. And then like you said, the facilitation guide with the step-to-step step-by-step process, as well as adaptations and all of the different goal areas. So I, because I know how hard it can be to try to learn a bunch of new repertoire and, you know, have to listen to a song a hundred times, to try to figure out the chords and, and yeah, we don't have time for that. So try to make it as
0: easy as possible. (laughs) That's much appreciated. You put a a lot of work into all that stuff and it's really, really helps the rest of us for sure. Well, thank you for saying that. I
1: appreciate that.
0: Well, thank you for making the time and doing this interview with me. Uh, I really appreciated having this conversation and, uh, I feel really excited to do more clinical work starting on Monday. And to, I feel really amped up. You made me, made me feel
1: that. I'm <laughs> so, so thank glad. You. Well, thank you for having me. You're an amazing host, and I loved all of your questions. So I'm excited for your podcast. <laughs>
0: thank you. I'll let you know You're when welcome. it comes out. Have a great rest of your evening. Thank you. You too. Wasn't that a great episode? Rachel has so much insight about all these different avenues that she's explored, and it truly sounds like she's created this beautiful balance and this wonderful life. I wish that I could insert myself into some of those weekly meetings she has, uh, checkups with her employees, because I personally feel like that, taking that as a holistic view and being able to have all of those weekly checkups with other people who are doing the same work as you would be so beneficial for so many of us. And personally, I'm really looking forward to her book and hearing more about all these things that she's learned over the years and all the ways she has found to make income as a music therapist and maybe some, I don't want to say non-traditional ways because this is the digital age, but certainly in ways that we don't really hear about in school unless, um, things have changed since I was in school, which is possible. So thank you so much for tuning in to this episode. And we'll see you in the next one. Thanks again for tuning into this episode of the Music Therapy Chronicles podcast. If you're interested in being on an episode or have someone in mind that we should interview, please let us know by emailing us at feedback at musictherapychronicles.com. Thanks again for tuning in.